Welcome to the Minnesotan Hockey Podcast. The goal of our pods are to give our followers a taste of how great the game of hockey is here in the state of Minnesota. Speaking of great, if you haven't already, do yourself a favor and check out the Minnesotan. You can visit their flagship store in historic downtown White Bear Lake or on the web at theminnesotan.com. On today's show, we sit down with Wyzetta Boys High School hockey coach Pat O'Leary. We'll talk about his athletic career, both in the Plymouth and Armstrong communities, as well as the University of Minnesota and some professional hockey, and as well as his coaching career uh, in youth hockey and at Wyzetta High School. Should be a great pod. Hope you enjoy it. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good afternoon, Pat. How are you doing today? Doing great. Sun's out. Can't complain. Yeah, it's been a beautiful day today. I can't complain at all. Uh, we got a long show here for a young guy like yourself. You've covered a lot of ground in your athletic and coaching career. Uh, I'm excited to learn more. I'm sure our, our listeners will, too. Um, so let's get her started. Let's t- let's talk about your athletic background growing up. Uh, you grew up in Plymouth, um, and you played how many sports? Did you play all three, or did you play just baseball and hockey? And I played football, hockey, and baseball for uh, three years. I mean, my whole high school career. Really? So how yeah. was how was football on your body? I'm sure you were a bigger tight end type of guy. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I so I played. It's funny. I played soccer up until ninth grade, and then kind of my friendship group were football guys at that time, and uh, they were just like, "You should come try out for football." Um, and I did, and I started out playing receiver and kicker. Um, and, and punter because I could play because I played soccer. Yeah. Um, and then I transitioned throughout my career into I actually played defense uh, my senior year. Uh, I actually started at quarterback one game too, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I kicked still and played whatever. I just whatever I was out there and trying to do whatever I could. And uh, I know that you we we talked a little bit before the show baseball. You talked a lot about so I'm guessing that was a passion. What was a bigger passion at that time, baseball or hockey? Uh, I mean, I I think if I if I didn't say baseball, I'd probably be lying. I uh, I grew up, you know, baseball was my number one sport. Uh, obviously, I loved hockey as well. But um, yeah, so I uh, played a real played very competitive baseball and played quite a bit in the summer, and um, it was fun. It was some awesome memories in baseball for sure. Now, if if anyone's smart, they would know that uh, Jordan Leopold and you are in the same grade, and I'm guessing you played a lot of sports together uh, as kids. Yes, we did. He was uh, from Golden Valley, so we got crossed over in the Armstrong Youth Program. For hockey, um, like right? A, for hockey, yeah, sorry, for hockey. And uh, I want to say first year of sports. I, know, I can't remember sure if it was mites or not. But uh, so, And then we played on the – I mean, I, I don't – I'm pretty much every team, I think, all the way through college, to be honest with you. I might have missed a year here or there. But uh, And then for baseball, we played – I don't know the exact year, but whenever travel starts, so 12 or 13, um, he came over and played with – our Plymouth our New Hope travel baseball team, and we played on that up through Legion too. So, uh, yeah, we uh, we had a lot of we batted back. He was a two hitter, I was a three hit three hitter, and um, so we uh, spent a lot of time together. Now I know you pretty well, and I've got to know him a little bit through through youth hockey coaches. You guys 
are opposites of one another, if you ask me. Uh, is this true, or is this is this uh, I, somebody giving me the wrong vibe? Uh, maybe maybe I could say it depends who you ask, but uh, no. Uh, um, I think that we have a lot of really good similarities. I think with each other, like I think both very competitive people, very, you know, both you know family oriented type guys, and uh, you know teachers at heart, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I think that. It, in our athletic game, obviously you played defense. I played forward. Um, but I mean, yeah, when it comes to like our attitudes and kind of us, uh, I think I'm a little bit more outspoken than he is, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, this, <laughs> he's a little small town. I hate to say it, golden Valley kid. And I'm from the big city of Plymouth. Apparently. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big city. <laughs> but he's kind of a clown. He come, I mean, with the kids, at least he's kind of a clown and you strike me as pretty professional, believe it or not, Pat, like you've, you've got a vision and, and you, and you, and you have your way and you, and you get your way up most of the time. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I, I think it's a, I think you guys probably were like uh, peanut butter and jelly growing up. Yeah, man, do it, man. Do I have you duped? Holy cow. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I can see where you're coming from that. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I think if, if you saw, if you saw Jordan in a setting that I'm in, like with a, you know, a, a high school program or anything, you know, above, he coaches, I know, squirt hockey and stuff yeah. like that. And he will, with his son moving up, I think you'll see that he, uh, he's a pretty down to earth and kind of comes from that kind of mold as well. I just, you know, I, I think that he, uh, when you play, play for, you know, the guy played in the NHL forever and, you know, and had to move his family around and all these other things. I think it's just him settling back down into, and can be his true self now, you know, living in Brooklyn Park and teaching the game he loves and hanging out with his family. So, uh, so I think he's came full circle on that. And and you're a, you know, I'm and you're a late conference coach, coaching Wyzetta and with a lot of eyeballs on you, you kind of have to be, like I say, professional, you know what I mean? In that setting, you're, you kind of have got to be on your A game. Don't you think a little bit? <laughs> yeah, my, yeah. My wife probably doesn't want me to tell you this, but she taught, a lot of times that we're just hanging out at dinner or something and, you know, at a restaurant and she's like, you're talking too loud. You're talking too loud. You <laughs> Really? You know, so, yeah, I thought that was only my wife who said that. <laughs> no, they, she does too, but, uh, no, you're, you're accurate. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I've learned, you know, through my career now of, um, you know, experience matters obviously. And, you know, you, you got to learn from different people and, um, you know, being, Doing the right thing all the time is hard, but you just do your best to do that. All right, so let's go through your athletic career. You, you played a lot of sports growing up. Um, how, who were some of your coaches? Your dad was your dad involved coaching at some point? Yeah, so he coached me in baseball um, since day one. I mean, I I don't think I can't remember if he coached at Crystal. I, I started out at Crystal Little League actually, but not, I think he probably started then. But I mean, all the way up through, he coached. He actually coached our Legion team, Armstrong Legion team, up through my senior season. Wow, so that was pretty cool. That was awesome. And then how about hockey? Who were your coaches? Hockey, I, yeah, I mean, Bruce Johnson was my head coach. Obviously, he's yeah. a, you know, a legend high school hockey coach and mentor and teacher and so on and so forth. So he was my guy there. And uh, obviously, then I, I coached or was coached by Woog for a year. And, and then I was coached by Lucia and Motsko, um, was one of the assistants in Genzel and John Hill. And so I've had a, a wide array, a range of, of uh, people that have taught me the game and what's, what to do in um, uh, specific situations. So it's been great. So let's go back to Bruce Johnson. I mean, he's obviously one of the most well-respected coaches in the in the coaching world here in Minnesota. What did you take when 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 you're coaching Wyzetta now? What do you take from Bruce? As oh, this is how I is it is it is it the practice? Is it the games? Is it the is it the lobby? Is there something that you take from Bruce the way he did it 
and and now you're you've taken it into your coaching uh, pattern. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for him is is you know how methodical he was was just the day to day stuff, being honest with the kids, and the how things can change so fast from day to day. You know, and you got to just the feedback is what kids are looking for. And it's not always positive, um, you know, but uh, he always had the practice plan set. He always had his little black book that he had on the bench taking notes on stuff. And uh, um, no, just the, the, and his ability to what I take from him 100% is just his ability to engage with the kids because, you know, it, there's so much things going on in these guys, these kids' heads and uh, with school and pressures and everything like that. It's just I took from him that you got to always be communicating with them and have an open door and um, just being honest with them. So, yeah, he taught me that and I, I use that a lot. So when you're in high school, I look at your guys' record. Um, you're pretty good. You lost in the section semis twice in section quarters. What do you What do you take away from a from a big win in high school and big tough losses in high school? Do you remember that? Yeah, there's a few games that stick out. Um, uh, God, I don't even know what year. It might have been my senior. No, it wasn't my senior year. But uh, we lost to Wyzetta. Actually, we were up uh, five nothing going or four nothing going to the third and. You give up five in the third to lose five four in overtime, and it was that literally <laughs> took years off my life. I think, but uh, um, I learned so much from that game and that just whole process of uh, you know reaction to that, and you know, and you, you throw so many cliches out with that stuff like the game's never over, and, right? You know, take your foot off the gas, and you know, blah blah blah. But it's uh, that was one of them, and then I think the other one was uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rag on Leo for this one, but. His senior year when he left to the Ann Arbor program. There we go. I was going to bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up, but you did. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Worked out very well for him. I mean, no one's getting questioned. I'll tell you a fun fact about that. Leo Jordan was the first person ever committed to the Ann Arbor program. Yes. So that's pretty cool. But anyways, the other one was that my senior year when we lost to Anoka, and I don't even know how many overtimes it was. They ended up losing to Duluth East in the finals, which was their team was off the charts. But, uh, um, I mean, the game was, I think it was one nothing or two one or something like that. It was just one of those, it was like a lot of games that we're in right now where it's just so many shots and just plays and just saves and this looking for that break. And we had so many, we had two or three breakaways and two on ones and, you know, and then they, they found what bounce went in and they won it. And that was another one that was, was tough for me. So I learned a lot from that. Walk through the the late '90s recruiting process for college hockey. You, you know what I mean? Because it, it seems oh, yeah. like it changes all the time. What was it yeah. like for you to be recruited by by Woog? And who was his assistant in the late '90s at that time? I'm trying to think. Genzel. Genzel. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was the recruiting um, process? Did it did it start in 11th grade, or did it start earlier, or uh, what were your? You know, it, Go ahead. You, that's funny. It's it's a good question. So, what I some things about that. So, I'll never forget when. The first time when, I mean, it doesn't, and I tell my players this too all the time. I'm like, it doesn't hurt being on the ice sheet with other good players that people are watching. You know what I mean? So yeah. when Leo was, when Leo was starting to separate himself as one of the better players, you know, in the, well, in the nation for that matter. Yeah. Um, in you know, the world. We, we, yeah, exactly. So we started, you know, people started coming and, and it, I'll tell you what the biggest difference between now and, and then was there were still comments of like parents that you just don't think outside of the box sometimes. And mm-hmm. people were like, what what are these guys doing at our games? And it's like, uh, we have two really good players here that they're watching. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't know. Whereas like now it's like they're scouts at every single game, but it's like, so the process for me basically was, you know, I'll never forget the first letter I got from, uh, from Gen- from Genzel. And it said he was at our gaming at Cedina and we ended up losing 10 to one at Braemar, which is really fun. And, uh, um, we had, one, I've been there, had one been there before <laughs> we had one goal and it was Leo coming around the net and, 
hit me on a break when I scored and whatever. So we scored one goal. We lost 10 to one. And, and the, in the, in the note from Genzel was like, well, you two look pretty decent out there, even though it's 10, you know, whatever, whatever he said, some politically correct thing. But <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, we got, you could have just lied maybe or said something, but, but no, no, he was trying to be positive about it. But, um, but the process was just basically like, once you start getting there closer, it's a little, you know, it was like my sophomore year, junior year, I uh, was starting to talk to teams and having visits and stuff like that. And, the thing that was crazy for me was um, I was recruited more in baseball than I was in hockey. So a lot really? of these schools like, yeah, big time. And so like Mankato, like would come, I had both Mankato uh, baseball and hockey coach came to my house at the same time um, to see if that would work. And um, that was the deal. When I went to the U, I wasn't going to play baseball, but the time, as we know how the crazy schedule is, yeah. uh, I just, they were, they were already, they were already playing baseball you know, halfway through, like, or through our season, and so it was, uh, but yeah, so I, it was, that was the deal, so, I mean, I just, you know, when I, when I got the offer from them, and, and was thinking that I could play baseball, too, that was the plan, that was a no-brainer. So, so hockey season gets over, whatever, for the Gophers, it's always in mid-March, right, at least, right, yeah. early to mid-March, yeah. well, the Gopher baseball team's already 16, 25 games into their season. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I don't think it was that much at that time. I think that's kind of a newer era thing, but it was definitely, they were definitely, you know, taking swings and, in, in, you know, dry land and hitting and, you know, like they got the domes everywhere and stuff like that. So, I mean, they, these guys are in full, it'd be like me, like like Dave Winfield style way back in the day where you just jump on the field and start ripping. Yeah, it would be hard. I don't think, I don't think that, <laughs> I think that doesn't work anymore. So, I, you know, it's like, and, and, we, and on top of it, you think of it this way, like for the Division One, especially sports and, and hockey is, you know, their season's over, let's say April 1st is their goal, you know, so yeah. just frozen four. Well, you know, after spring break, you're already starting to work out. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to work out with you guys, but I'm going to go play baseball that I haven't touched a bat in six months. And so it was a pretty easy decision, but you know, that was, that's kind of how it rolled out. What other schools were you were hot on you or you, you were deciding between when you picked the Gophers? Um, I mean, all the, 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 you know, the Wisconsin's and Mankato and St. Cloud and, um, you know, the, the ones around here for, okay. for the most part, um, I, I visited, I like, I love Notre Dame. Um, just, but you know, I went to baseball camps there in the summer, so I love that area, but, uh, yeah, kind of that main Midwest stuff. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's walk through your college, uh, career. And, uh, the first couple of years were lean for the Gophers. Some of the leanest years of, of the U's history, right? You know, the 98, 99 yeah. season. I think you guys lost up in Duluth, right? And then, yeah, we, Go ahead. And then in then 9901, you were like sixth in the WCHA, and then it just started to turn. Did you feel it turning there? Was 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 Don? What was what was Don? The difference between Don and and Woog? Those you know the last years of Woog and the and the mm-hmm. and the first year of Lucia must have been night and day. Yeah, I mean it was it's just it was just so different. I mean you had the um, what was happening is I think the 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 whole landscape of you know, I don't want to say Midwest hockey, but I guess I could say that, but for surely like Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, that area of players was getting so deep that they're, you're getting all these guys, the kids that, you know, you can only have six to seven golfers, you know what I mean? Right. You had so many, so many other good players that they were just building these other teams up. St. Cloud was getting really good. UMD was getting really good. Um, you know, and so it, it was, what was happening is, is that was really back when the whole, like, you know, the golfers were kind of on a pedestal and everybody wanted to knock them off of it. You know what I mean? So, um, so you, you could build programs around that, you know, and, and get kids to come in and play there. And, you know, it's, it's a battle. And so I, and I think when it flipped over what for us personally on our teams was, you know, the 
our core group of so my senior year we had six guys you know that were there and yeah the legendary six right i mean it's played played through yeah one of the last you know kind of groups that went through and all graduated and so on and so forth but uh um that next group of kids the you know the Potomac era and and Kowalska and Riddle and um, you know the ninety nines that came guys. in right. It's like I mean, it was, that group was so talented. I mean, it was just like so we kind of had like the good athletes and the leadership and the good players, you know, in our class of with the Johnnies and, and yep. Jordan and you know those guys like that. But but then you add these these you know high end talented kids to the to the mix, and it just it was a recipe for <laughs> winning for sure. Yeah, it was a that class, the Riddle and the Kowalska class. You just it was like it was like lightning fast. They just became yeah. you know, like it was like a different. It was a difference that we hadn't seen at the U in a long time. I'll go back to like the Mac. I, I use like you just said it. The Mac Cullen Mark Parrish difference, right? Is exactly mm-hmm. what you were just describing. Like Mac Cullen and Mark Parrish weren't recruited by the Gophers, but they went yeah. to St. Cloud and just it just turned exactly what you said. There was just too many good players to pass to not have two or three or four really good teams in the Midwest. Yeah, and that's and that's why you look right now. Like I mean, look where the I mean, we still got the best teams are in this area, but it's like. And most of their teams are made up of Minnesota kids too, because there's so many good ones. Yeah, it's it's fun to definitely talk about that. Um, okay, let's get to the let's get to that year, the the 2002 year, the 2001 2002 year. It's your senior year. Um, you guys are even even when you lost, you were dominant. I, and I talked about before the show how I met your dad in Wisconsin. You guys lost to the Badgers, um, and I think you outshot him like 52 to 12 and lost. And then the next night, I'm like, I, I remember talking to somebody, even I think it might have been my father, and he goes, oh, they're going to kill us tomorrow night. And they did. It was 8-1 to one the next night. It was like you just had it. It was a, something special about that team, and especially the second half of the year. It was like an almost unstoppable force. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was obviously a really fun year, obviously. I mean, it, you don't <laughs> – one thing I always try to, you know, push to my players or even kids that I work with is, like, just – that whole thoughts of like the confidence and expecting to win, which is just so hard to, to breed. You know what I mean? It's just cause there's so much doubt. And I'll tell you what, we, every time we got off the bus that year, I mean, we thought we were going to win every single game, which was pretty crazy. But uh, I mean, you look at the roster, it's just crazy. I think who's on our, you know, third and fourth line and who was our, you know, our five or six D played in the NHL or, you know, and or professional hockey. And the, the six man who Judd Stevens, who was probably the most talented one, you know, played over and was the captain two more, three more years. So I mean, our, our roster was just, crazy good um and you know and then from there you just you start winning and then you when you actually lose you know once every other weekend or whatever you know exactly why you lost so that's how you fix it so it's uh yeah it was fun and then once we got on that road uh towards the end of the season it was uh guys were scoring i mean every, every game and same guys and they were just they were unstoppable so walk through the final four, uh, frozen four in Minneapolis. When you when you make it to the final four, do you think you guys can get beat at playing at the X, or do you well, have a lot of supremely confidence at this point? You know, it's funny you mention that, but the thing about it was is like so. A couple of crazy stories about that. I'll never forget. Um, you know, the first the Wednesday. God, it must have been Wednesday. I don't know. Yeah, when we have our practices, and there was like 7,500 people at our practice. It was absolutely bananas. You came out, and there was like more people in the stands than, than half the games around the nation, but they were there for practice. And then at, at warm-ups in the first game, or in the championship game, there was like the whole place was sold out for warm-ups. So you come out to, to a warm-up that's sold out. But coming into the game specifically, you know, we came in, 
uh, you know, Michigan had this guy named Camilleri, or, uh, Camilleri and, it was, and he had 18 shots on net in that, in that second or that first game or whatever. Yeah. And we ended up winning. That guy was like a man amongst boys. We had some talented guys, but that guy was crazy good in college. And uh, so we didn't know. I mean, it was, I don't say, I mean, we knew we were confident because we were at home. And, but I think we felt a little bit of pressure from that too, you know? So, um, but it did, it was one of those things where it's like, is this really going to be a storybook? Cause it, like it sounds it is. And, Obviously, we know what happened. So I uh, I can't say that I've prayed in my life for during a hockey game, but I prayed during <laughs> both of those games because it had been so, so long. I, <laughs> 1979. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a gopher rube to some extent, but that's just too long for for all those. And and part of the prayer was for. Doug Woog, because it was like that poor guy had so many bad hard luck losses uh, along the way, and I just wanted to—I would really wanted to win one for him because he had done so much for the state of hockey and for for Minnesota, and to, to have it won there right on our turf was a pretty special experience. Yeah, that's cool, and, I, and, I, and now I'm getting—you know—getting older here now, and looking back at it, I think it was replayed on the other night on you know one of their deals yeah. or whatever. But it's kind of, the coolest thing for me is, is and I've watched it obviously, but. Um, is for me is just is to read through the comments on the posts, you know? Yeah. Because it's just everyone knows where they were that day. Which yeah. Is oh yeah. Cool, you know what I mean? And we're, and so it, uh, that's cool for me and um, show my daughters that stuff and it's pretty cool just because they uh, part of part of some special. It's pretty cool. So yeah. So uh, the uh, granted the Patoni goal is really special, but the the, the Kowalska goal is almost more special in some ways. Just yeah. the way he scores so late in the game and then he jumps in and like you don't orchestrate what he did right i mean you just you can't orchestrate the running and jumping into a hog pile bench like that what is going through your brain when he's diving on top of you like that on the bench yeah well there there, there's so many cool things about that game that people that that people need to write books about in my opinion but uh you know, like the fact that the shoot guy was the defenseman that tripped him. That wasn't that he's the one that shushed the crowd that scored the goal that tied it or went up, went up yes. or whatever. Well, he's, the one, he's the one that actually took the penalty on Maddie through the neutral zone and had him flying through the neutral zone or whatever. He, and then, the, and then the first thing you see when, you know, when Maddie scores and he skates over to the bench is they go, zoom right in on shoots face in the penalty box and he looks like his dog died. You know, and so it's like, <laughs> it's just those are the things that are just like you know so cool and uh, um. Yeah, I told you in the pre-show that I had a cool story for you on it. But what, one thing I'll tell you is, um, so when we win the championship and we're all kind of huddled around the, getting the picture and with the trophy, you know, there's like a thousand pictures taken, obviously. But mm-hmm. I ended up going, I ended up going and grabbing the game puck. Just, just I don't even think about. It. I just did it to give to Grant. Yeah. So I didn't make the, I didn't make the picture. Shut up. <laughs> So, Are you serious? So they obviously, I, well, so about well, halfway through the pictures being taken, I got, I mean, it was like 30 seconds, obviously. So I missed the first however many snaps they got on that part of time. And then I, I laid back down um, in the front, right by the, you know, by those guys and, and took some more pictures and blah, blah, blah. I didn't even think twice of it. Right. Well, yep. the next day when we go to the next day, when we go to the, 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 the ceremony, sorry, at the Mariucci um, and all over the paper, it's the one without me in it. And no I'm like, oh way! Gosh. I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 whatever. You know, that it wasn't either. Not, I didn't think much of it then. You know, you don't care about that stuff at that time. You know, in your no. life. But, but the fun, the best part of that story is, is the next day, which would have been I don't even know Monday or something. Doesn't matter. Soon after, um, before they start ordering all these prints that we were going to sign, um, I got asked a question by somebody that said, "Well, do you want me to superimpose you into the one that we're using?" And I'm like, obviously. 
Yeah. You know, so, but, you know, but the best part about it is, is so as you watch playoffs now, you know, the, the thing in hockey is that people grow their beards out and their, yeah. you know, hair and blah, blah, blah. So whatever. Well, so the picture that they superimpose me into the top right corner is of my headshot at the beginning of the season. I look like a guy just like an alien <laughs> looking over. <laughs> Everyone else is smiling and like staring and putting the number one finger up or whatever, you know, and, and got their crazy hair and everything. And I got my like clean cut baseball cut. And, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm staring out into the sky because that's where I, I was looking at during the picture. So it was just funny. Oh, that's, but, yeah, that's so, a good one. That's But I did get good. the puck though, but I did get the puck. So yeah, for Grant, one. right? Yeah, for Grant, yeah. <laughs> Oh, how ironic was that, that, you know, for all those years of Doug Woog and Pride on Ice, the kid from North Dakota ends up scoring the game winner. I thought it was just like, that is, that's a, it's just a ironic twist to the whole story. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay. So let's walk through after college, you've went and played uh, a few years in pro. And I, you know what? I, no, no, don't take this the wrong way. You, you pointed up pretty heavily in, in the, in minor league hockey, you know, considering compared to your years at the U. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, it's had some opportunities to play, you know, I mean, I think we all know, and especially I know too, being a coach now is, you know, power play time is very good for, you know, scoring points. And, you know, so yeah, I just had opportunities to play on teams that, you know, that I was successful on and played a lot and scored. And so, yeah, it was fun. I had, it was a really fun three years. Yeah, 29 points one year for the K-Wings, 43, and then 23 down in Mississippi. Playing hockey in Mississippi, that's that's like, uh, that's got to be crazy experience for you. Yeah, it was fun. We uh, went down there and, you know, packed up our U-Haul and uh, drove down to the Biloxi Coast down there. And um, we were, we stayed in a hotel that was right on the, the ocean there. And, um, you know, they had their, they had 12 or 13 um, casino boats because they couldn't have gambling on, <laughs> on land. land. So, yeah. yeah, so that was pretty cool. That was something I never heard of, so that was pretty cool. And, uh, um, yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, me and my wife had a good time there, and it was a, it was a pretty fun – it was that whole cliche of, a, of what you think a, a minor league pro hockey player's life is. It, that's literally what it was. I'd get up at 9, go practice for an hour, grab a quick meal, and play golf every day in the afternoon and then come home and do it all over again. So, now, um, you said, uh, you, you've alluded a couple times that you're, you mentioned your wife and you, your father-in-law is very active. Who, who is your father-in-law? Who is your wife? What's her maiden name? Yeah, his name is Rick Beckfeld. Okay. Uh, my wife's name's my wife's name's Carly. So he's been doing, he kind of taught me the way of the skill development. He's a skating coach. Uh, uh, we, we own an individual skills hockey company, um, uh, together. And, uh, I started working for him um, after my senior year of high school, and then ever since. So whatever that many years that is, and uh, um, he. Uh, so you he ma- are you saying you married the boss's daughter? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I love it. Like, Great. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he. Uh, so Rick. Uh, Dad, so he's kind of cute. What's his name? Right. <laughs> That's Pat. Yeah, I got I got I got daughters now too. So it's like, I know. Oh, oh I know. It's great. But. Um, no, and he owned that company, and that, and and so then he he's also worked in the scouting business. He scouted for USHL for 15, 20 years. He scouted for the Coyotes, so he's really connected in the hockey world. And I use leverage him a lot uh, with just relationships and, and stuff like that. So it's good. It's been a good good deal for me. That's really cool. Okay, so after um, after your three years there, what was the decision to stop? It was it like you said? It's like it, it was it kind of like it's time to grow up and, and and become an adult, or what was what was it? That would be my thing. After a few years of doing it, and the NHL is still a ways away. What was it? Yeah, 
Well, the, and to be very candid with you, I mean, the NHL by that time wasn't, I, I just didn't think it was a, I was being realistic. It wasn't going to happen, which is, you know, whatever, uh, which was fine. Um, but the, the main thing for me was, was two things really. It was, my wife was offered a job, you know, at Target in, in the Twin Cities. Um, and I had some injuries. I had, I had groin and, and hip problems, uh, nothing significant like surgery wise, but just always nagging. I felt like I played with poor groin all the time. And, uh, it just wasn't, you know, I worked so hard in the summer and then I'd pull it like the first three weeks of the season. So, uh, just that, and I was ready. I knew it was, the dream was over and I had offers to go play in Europe uh, yeah. with my, with, with my college roommate, uh, Nick Angel. He was over there for quite a bit and he, he had me set up with the deal and I just was like, I don't, you know, I just didn't want to do it. So I then fell into coaching and, uh, so yeah, I was just, I wanted to move on to the next thing and I wanted to start, you know, I work with kids in the summer, obviously all the time with that job, having it. Yeah. So I knew I loved it. And so I just, I was just ready to branch out from there and do a little bit more of it. So when you came back, um, we'll go back. I think you told me um, when you were at the U, did you finish in all four years at the U or did you have to come back and do some schooling after the minor league stuff? No, I actually finished. I. Uh, it's I not easy. Two. It's not easy oh to do four gosh, years. So uh, that's why I asked. No, I, in a hundred percent, I, I took the slow path, which was like, I don't even know. I can't throw numbers out there, but I think it was like athletes took like 12 credits at that yeah. time, you know, to, you know, I think that was a number and I did that for a couple of years, I think, or whatever. But so anyways, I found myself, um, having, having to get 18 credits done my uh, spring semester of my senior year in the national championship. So, uh, that was, uh, I battled through it and I made it happen and. Uh, I was very happy about that when it was done. And, but yeah, so I took 18 in my last, and it, it wasn't gym classes either, even though I took a lot of those in college, but <laughs> it wasn't yeah. bad. It was the hard one. It was the hard ones. And you were a kinesiology major. What is, that sounds like a really fancy word. What does it really mean? Kinesiology. <laughs> it, the, layman's terms or or our terms is uh, the study of the body. So basically what it is, is you can, you take all the biological classes you take, you can do anything. There's like, it, it's a starting of branching off to like, physical therapy, FIED teacher, you know, occupational therapy, uh, coaching. Like I got my coaching minor by taking it. So that was cool. So just, that's kind of what it is, you know, but yeah, it's, you know, I didn't, my, my, I'll tell you what, my, my, uh, advisor or whatever you want to call her, you know, told me a few about the class that I mentioned, but she wouldn't, she didn't mention too much about the microbiology that I was going to take my senior year. I wasn't, I, I didn't get that memo my freshman year when I signed up for that major. <laughs> Yeah, it every, turned out all right. Everybody's got that class, right? Mine was mine was stats. I had to take three levels of stats. I was like, who signed me up for this class? It's so hard. I would, you know, microbiology was almost harder in some ways. Think about that. Yeah, it's, yeah it was it was fun. So okay, so you get the you get the major. You, you stumble back to the, the Twin Cities because your wife gets a good job at Target. Uh, you're. You, you coach a little bit of Bantams, right? And then, and then move over to Orono a couple of years later. Yeah. I came back and I helped out my Bantam coaches at Armstrong for a couple of years, just because I wanted to be around the players. And, you know, I honestly wanted to see if I liked the actual interaction and practice in the games and so on and so forth. And then from there, I, uh, Aaron Johnson, Bruce's son, uh, got the job at Orono. And, and this is a guy you played with too, right? Yeah. He was, he was, I, I joked with him uh, a couple of weeks ago at, that you know he he uh he took my spot on the power play his freshman year on the point and I told him it's because it was dad was the coach that's right right for sure right (laughs) no he was phenomenal so but anyways he uh he um he got that job and and uh asked me if I wanted to help him and I said yes and it was awesome we had some really cool uh great kids and families in Orono for two years and uh 
Now, so he's yeah, the same fun. Aaron Johnson who's at Buffalo, right? Yeah, the Buffalo head coach now, yeah. Okay, all right. And and two years at Orono, and then how did you how did you get involved? Move from Orono to the to the uh, I'll call it the big leagues of Wyzetta. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I, I'd been around the area for a little bit, so I knew some people and stuff. And I um, I in a tragedy, um, the assistant Carl Davis, who was the head coach at that time, kind of my mentor in the coaching business, was you know got me the job. Was his his head assistant passed away in a tragic voting accident, which and um so he was obviously going through some stuff with that and he uh lance kind of mentioned like Manson mentioned because lance trained me when i was playing minor pro hockey so we had a relationship with that like he was my kind of my trainer and my when i was trying to make it after college um and at this and time lance went, had two young kids that were in the yz system and he was probably pretty correct. involved right yeah yeah i know and he wanted i mean you know he maybe had a, wanted me to you know be part of the program to for whatever reason. So he mentioned to Carl, they should give me a call. I might be interested. And then I went and sat down with Carl. Um, and we talked for an hour and, you know, I hundred percent was in and, and then I took it and I was the next thing you know, he was announced and I was assistant coach. I out of that year. And it, was, it was awesome. So you coached there as an assistant for three years and hit Carl's last year. You made it to the section finals. Did, did you kind of see something formulating within the wise out high school program at, by that point? Well, what I will tell you that I saw for me was like, I, you know, w- when we lost that triple overtime game to Kyle Rowe it, you know, the, at the, <laughs> at the uh, Mariucci, I uh, was like, oh my Lord, like I, I have to win one of those games. <laughs> so um, I was just like, I think you, know, you get so close, you know, and you're like, it, it, it makes you believe that it can happen. So then it's, that was, and that's kind of been my model ever since I've been the head coaches. If you don't think it's going to happen, it probably won't. Yeah. So uh, Carl steps down. Uh, this is the, the, I think this is the gem of the story. Uh, how you got hired at Wyzetta, not like how in the world you got hired, but the hiring process at Wyzetta, this isn't like you didn't walk in the door and they hand you the job. This was a very, very coveted position. Uh, and kind of, co- we, we joked about it before the show. It's like, it's not exactly a high paying job. This isn't exactly, you know, uh, a CEO of Target. This is not a high paying job, but it's still, I'm sure there were piles of resumes to get this job yeah i don't think it was ever publicly said how many were there but i know it was you know over 40 or 50 um and not just you know it was all good candidates and and um I, to circle back i mean yeah it, the thing that was crazy about it was i think just everyone assumed that i was going to get it um you know I, and i would be lying to you if i said i didn't think that too uh no i knew the process was going to be the process but it ended up going a little bit longer than i expected and um obviously it was my first time doing it so i didn't know but you know, I learned so much about just interaction with people and, you know, you know, having confidence in yourself and kind of explained, you know, what you can do to help other people and, you know, program and stuff. And, uh, um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was good. And, and like I said, I, I was on my way to, or I was actually leaving, um, uh, a little tumbling gymnastics class with my daughter when I got the, my phone was blown up and I had like seven messages. And, uh, when I found out that I got actually the job was posted on, wherever they posted it. And, uh, so yeah. And I'll never, and one of the, one of the calls was from Jamie Sherwood. So I was like, all right, now we're going to do this. Oh man. How exciting. So at that point, um, when you're given the head coaching job, do you bring in your own staff? That's the first thing. First question about getting the job. Yeah. Um, they, it's, 
Like, man, it seems like it's been so long ago now. I don't, <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's my, eight years, nine years. My goal, my goal was to, you know, I, I had, I, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have some, you know, in the works of conversations, um, you know, so on and so forth. But I didn't. I was, a, I, I was kind of a big believer, in, and it's kind of how we operate now. Is like, it's, the less change, the better. Uh, you know what I mean? And just, and, and so I was trying to just. I wanted to get my ducks in a row and what I was trying to, you know, what my message was going to be and so on and so forth. So I, uh, so the coaching staff thing, I had a little bit in, you know, done in ahead of time, but, um, it was definitely one of the exciting, but stressful parts of the, that I've had over since I've had the job is trying to set, get people around me that, you know, are going to do a good job. And, 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 and I, and I've learned over time that man, assistant coaches are what makes this whole thing work. Trust me. It's, uh, kids kids bond to them a lot and i was one at one time obviously so i know that from firsthand but uh but yeah so the coaching staff is so important so you you build a staff and and it's so funny pre-show i'm like i really want to talk about the centennial game you, you, your second year there uh you make it to the state tournament at that point you're still young by the way you're not young anymore now, now that you want a state True. title once you want a state title you like basically added 10 years to your life and you know, like you became a legend you became smart that one game added 10 years to my life what are you talking about which one the the the, <laughs> the, the championship oh yeah of course it did but yeah like like so my point is like now that you've won a state tournament you know like you're smarter people everything is just the life is easy street isn't it it's kind of a oh, joke man. right tell me tell me about it it's so easy <laughs> so much yeah, easier. No, the, so go back to that centennial, centennial game I, um i'll give you my impression i talked to you about it first for the show is like i can rarely say i cheer when i was a fan for a late conference team but i just there was something about you being young having this young group of kids from Wyzetta that hadn't spent a lot I mean, Wyzetta didn't get a lot of airtime on the state tournament uh until you got there and it was pretty exciting to watch you and you you were fiery and 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 it was exciting it was easy to cheer for you what was it like to be in that game because it was a it was a it was a pretty epic Epic hockey game. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I tried, you know, the and when we made it to the state tournament, you know, I uh, call. I mean, I t- had so many conversations with people that I've done in the past, and uh, my, you know, my dad kind of recommended that he's like, just call people that have, uh, you know, been there, and um, and so you know, you get so many different things of like what you should do. Should you stay in the hotel? Should you do this? You know, I right. Mean, so I, I, to be very candid with you, I just went at it with this. I just said, hey man, this is the. You know, I don't want to throw out once in a lifetime opportunity, but it's a big deal. So we're just gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it right this time. You know, we're gonna go take you know stay at a hotel. We're gonna take care of the kids and you know so on and so forth. So you now as we prep for the next thing, you know, we had to play a hockey game on Thursday night at eight thirty or whatever time it was. And, yeah. Um. You know, and, and we and we knew nothing. Well, as much as you can know in high school hockey about Centennial. I mean, it's not you know we don't know a lot about them. I mean, I scouted them, but I didn't know much about them at all. So, uh, um, yeah, it was uh it was a crazy game. I mean, it was. Uh, it was one of my, it was, I think I told you before, it was one of my most memorable games as, as a coach besides some of the obvious ones at Wyzetta, but, uh, just because like the sheer jubilation that <laughs> happened when that game winner happened was, uh, was pretty crazy. So it felt like it was, it was like was, uh, midnight when it went in, right? It was just... Oh, I think, I think it was 1130 or something, but it was, it was, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a good win. Um, so go back, uh, you had, uh, 
it's the old proverbial young kid in the late conference. Um, I call it the four horsemen meeting. You 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 lose a game, and I'm guessing it's Schwan Cup uh, early in your career, first or second year. And Hill Murray's there, Duluth East's there, Edina's there. You guys are all huddled up. You got like probably semifinal loser bracket games up in Blaine, and there's Lechner, Randolph, and Giles, and you all standing like yeah. ten feet apart from one another. Um, and you guys all came together. What was that? Was probably your aha moment, right? No, nah, that was something. I I, I was uh, I'll never forget. I, I walked into the first floor of the super rink, and I you got to walk to the right in that little tunnel, and you get yep. gathered in the gathering area, or whatever. And uh, and I just kind of came around the corner, and I saw you know you, you cannot you being a high school coach or any for that level to matter. You always know people's colors, right? You know what jerseys, are, you know their coaches' coats are and stuff like that. So I come around and then I see you know, the, the black for Randolph and Giles and then the kind of darker green for, for blacks that they always used to wear. And I'm like, Oh my Lord. Like, and so like I told you in the pre-meeting, like everyone that knows me that knows that I'm not shy to, to go up and talk to people and have a conversation. So I, uh, obviously I went up there and talked to them and kind of just listened for, I mean, I, I believe it or not. And I, I didn't say hardly anything. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and I listened for a half hour and it was epic. I mean, it was the coolest thing ever. Just in, 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 in you know, I could tell you a million things, but the number one thing for me with that one was in, in is is I took you know two things away was I know I'm not doing everything wrong, you know, so you, you know I'm, I'm doing more right than wrong. It sounds like because these guys are doing the same thing, and then on top of it, uh, you know, I just listened to them talk about the interaction they have with their players and the parents and in the in the rules that they have to be followed and stuff is like they just said that those, that's the most important thing. You got to set your rules. You got to stick with them. And you're going to break some hearts, but you're also going to make a lot of people happy. So, uh, so you got to stick with that. And that was, I took that to heart and I, that's what I've done ever since I've been at Wyzetta and we've had some ups and downs with, with things, but, uh, steadfast on our message and, um, and, uh, caring about the kids and keep moving. So I, I take that from them and I still use it today. So when you got the job at, at Wyzetta, uh, go back just a step. So did you see it as a, a gold mine? I mean, we talked a little bit pre-show about the, the, the 97 Blades group that all those kids were, a lot of them were Wyzetta kids, and you could kind of just see what was on the horizon there. And as far as just the youth program had so much potential. Yeah, no, I think I, I disagree with you. I, when I came back, when I was when I was done playing, before I thought of being coming the Wyzetta, any coach for that matter. Right. Like I said, I worked with the band program at Armstrong and I, uh, I just started putting feelers out there to get in, you know, with working with kids and, uh, um, you know, trying to talk to them and get to know them and get to know their families and stuff. And then I, to be honest with you, I started getting to know a few Wyzetta families. Um, and it just, all of a sudden there's talk of like, you know, you know, how long is Carl going to last or, you know, keep going? He, he's going to retire soon. He's done a great job. Is he going to stay forever? And, you know, and then, there's, well, by the way, there's this crazy crop of kids coming up and it kind of just unwinded like that really. And then, you know, and the next thing you know, it's, you know, I, I had the support and, you know, and just for, obviously, cause I didn't come, I didn't come into it blindly. I don't think to be honest with you. So that kind of helped, I think. So it was good. But yeah, when I, when I, when I came about doing it, I, I was excited about the opportunity to, um, you know, kind of push for that, um, not losing all the top kids to some of the private schools or having them go to different schools and stuff like that, which happens, it, it still, it'll continue to happen, but it, it was happening to Wyzetta quite a bit at that time. So, um, it was just, I was trying to, 
that was my number one goal is I was trying to keep kids home and, and want to play for our program and so on and so forth. Well, you just walked into the next question and you just set me up like a <laughs> bowling pin there. That was definitely on my list. It's like back then it was, uh, I mean, Breck was a big player. I mean, they would get mm-hmm. guys. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Blake Wheeler was a was a Wyzetta kid growing up, right? Yeah. So you have yeah. Breck, you have Blake, which wasn't as strong back then. Providence was kind of new and up and coming. And and Ken Polly, let's not kid ourselves, is, you know, feast. he's still feasting on, on, on Wyzetta kids. Adam Marshall and Tristan Sarsland, those are, those are Wyzetta kids. How do you prevent yeah. them from getting there? You know, how do you, well, how do you stop that? And, and as, as, as a coach yourself? Yeah, well, I went, I went through many different, you know, I always call it mystery yuck stickers. My personalities <laughs> on that. <laughs> um, Love it. Tell me more. Tell yeah, me more. Just uh, meaning like how I deal with it. You know what I mean? And so, but I always reverted back to, I, I told my, I asked myself, I'm like, you know, why, what makes these kids want to go anywhere? I'm not even talking about why is that a, you know, why would they want to go play for Michigan university or the golfers? Or, like, and, so, and I really did some inner thinking and just being like, man, you, 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 they gotta want to, they gotta want to believe in the program and the community. And they, and they, they want to play for, you know, people that, want to help them get better in all aspects of life. And so I just, I just went back to that. Yeah. Like I, what's their I, motivation, it, right? You know, just like, I hope, you know, and I, I, when I have conversations with kids that, you know, are thinking about staying or going or all of the above, I just tell them like, you know, we're here for you and want to play for us. We have a good program, obviously. You know, the, the fact that we've won in the last, you know, seven or eight years doesn't hurt, but at the same time, we're still continuing to, to build humans that are good. And I mean, I, I don't make a big deal of it, but you know, we have over a three, seven, three, eight GPA every single year. And we take that pretty proud, proud of that. And so, yeah, it, it, that's what it was for me is just, you know, and I think that's kind of why, I, when I got here, when I started, you know, in, integrating into the youth program is I wanted them to know me. So in maybe they didn't, if they don't like it, then they can go somewhere else. But if they did, then they knew they had somebody they could trust at the helm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, tr- it's a sticky wicket. Um, uh, the whole, I hate to use the word recruiting because it's happening, right? You know, it, it, it's a word we don't like to use publicly, but there is some recruiting going on, even on the public side of it, obviously on the private side there is, but you're doing some recruiting all the, all, all the while, aren't you? Well, it's just one of those things where it's like, it, it, it's be, the programs, there's people want to play for, you know, programs that are developing their kids and so it's you call it whatever you want to call it yeah it's you know it's it's one of those things where it's it's hard because the thing that we that we run into sometimes is we the we tend to overthink you know the reason they, they college coaches and i've had this conversation with some of my guys that i played college with that coach college now is you have to be so methodical about different years because sooner or later, there's not enough spots. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's, what's hard, you know, for me is like, you know, looking at different groups that are coming through or kids that, you know, so on and so forth. It's like, you know, you, you, you hope everyone can play, you know what I mean? And you hope there's spots for everybody and you, and it's, um, you know, and so if, if you, if you can't guarantee the time for them to play or do whatever the case may be, and that, and this is private public, you know, small town, Northern Minnesota, it doesn't matter where you are. It's like, (laughs) if you have too many guys or you know, not enough guys, it's, uh, that's where it becomes a problem, you know? So, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's happening everywhere and it's, it is what it is. And, um, you can't, you know, you, you got, I, I always joke when I say it is no one feels bad for the late conference teams and then, you know, you, nobody should. And I got enough, I got plenty of great kids that, that want to play for me and, and, and do it. And, and we have a, 
we're a great group of kids coming through now, so it's uh, it'll be fun and uh, yeah. So I'm happy with where we're at. So what walk through you, you again? You're just like setting my questions up perfectly. By the way, it's like you're running the show, and I'm just I'm just sitting back here. So the late conference. Um, what did you think? Uh, I, 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 I am not going to name names, but I, I've talked to a few late conference coaches when, <laughs> when the Buffalo-St. Michael thing happened. You, did you roll your eyes? Did you like, oh, now i got a four more, you know, four more games that i got to knock off my schedule? Or did you look at it as a, as a pretty cool thing? Or what was your take on it? Well, I mean, there's so many ways to look at that. I mean, I think personally, I mean, I obviously have, you have conversations with different people, but like, obviously I have a, a good relationship with one of the coaches that are affected with Aaron. And so I get both, I get to see everyone's perspective on it. I don't just get to see the, you know, the late conference people thinking about it this way. So it's, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't roll my eyes. Um, the only thing that I, I can't speak for all the other coaches, but I have the ability to make my own schedule. But, and, and that doesn't sound very cool no. to a lot of people. But it, but it is because um, we're different than everybody else. If you look at the teams in the Northwest Suburban that have, that are managed, mandated to do 18 games in the conference, or I don't even know what the number is. It it's make crazy. A yeah. And w- w- when we, the only bad part, the only negative part that I've seen um, w- with the, the addition of the two teams, and they were actually pretty good the last, this last year, which was good. Yeah. But, the, but uh, is that that, t- that took up space of four games. That because what the late conference teams and we talk about this all the time um, is we were we had to play eight games for a long time right the, yep. the four other teams when Hopkins played a full yeah. schedule and so but so we so what that means for us is we had the ability to schedule seventeen games which was so fun you know what I mean so we could basically do whatever we wanted we, if we you know if, and 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 it sounds very narcissistic but everyone wants to play the late conference team so it's easy to you know schedule people so. Um, that took away from that a little bit, I think, just because, yeah, it, did. Um, it, it took away your so, flexibility, right? Yeah. So, so you're looking at, like I can speak for ourselves. So now, you know, we, we played Hopkins once. So let's say, well, just keep it at the eight. So we had our eight and then we had our turkey trot tournament that puts us at 10. And then we always had a holiday tournament that puts us at 13, you know, uh, 13. And so we still had 12, I could do 12 games and, and it was awesome. And so now you add four to it and, you know, and, and I'm down to like, eight. you know, and it's even less than that now because you know with other things that we do and, and so on yeah. and so forth but no it's it's so yeah it's it's taken a lot of work off my plate i'll be honest with you but um that's been the only downfall that uh that i've seen and um yeah so it's it's that's what it is so it, talk about the lake conference. you 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 edged a little bit to it um is is a lake conference <laughs> championship mean something to to the to the teams in the league or is it just you know you're going to get eight good games I, 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 I don't, <laughs> I don't think so personally, but, um, it's not, a, I mean, it's, it's nothing wrong with winning. Um, but, uh, but I will tell you something cool that we've done, that we've done started the last two years is, is we implemented, um, a JV championship. And so I like what that. we do is, which, because what we found was in these big schools, you know, half of our JV team is band double A players, you know? So yes. it's like it, to keeping them and keeping them involved and active and, and just wanting to win is, is especially at that time in their life when they're 16, 17 years old and watching our guys skate in front of the big lights. Like we want to keep them engaged. Those are the guys that are going to make our program run in the next couple of years. So we, so I, I made, I made up a, uh, a uh, banner JV champion. So what we do is we just, the J it's in uh, JV coaches. It became really close and they just text with each other and keep track of their records. And then whoever wins gets the JV championship poster for the year and they hang it in their rink. Do you, uh, that's really cool. I had a, I had a JV coach from a very prominent program reach out to me in February and he says, would you be Tony, would you be interested in putting on a JV state tournament? 
And I'm like, of course I would, because I think it's the most underserved hockey uh, populace in the state. I mean, we have we we put no offense to 15 Bs, but we put more energy into 15 B girls hockey where there's like eight teams or 12 teams. Like people like we put together a state tournament for 15 B girls. There's 12 to 15 B teams in the state. There's a JV team on just about every high school program that just kind of dies on about February 10th. Yeah, and I think the hardest thing for us, and, we, and we're trying our best to, to make it happen, and is 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 obviously there's that kind of when when you make the program, you know, um, you're excited and, and you're excited, and it's 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 awesome, and uh, you know, but then you know as you start playing, but the cool thing for us is then we have, our guys start playing a late conference schedule, so it kind of gets their blood boiling a little bit. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. But then, but then, when we start saying our when when you can kind of see read between the lines on the on the uh, the playoff roster. Yeah, I was just gonna say the it's, the dreaded playoff roster where the two. It's just yep. it's so sad, and it, it's just hard. It's it's hard on the players. It's hard on the families. It's hard on the coaching staff. Um, so we're trying our hardest to f- come up with. So we started with the JV championship thing, and uh, you know we we've gotten talks of trying to do. I know our girls program does it. They do a JV festival at the end of the year at Pick, and um, you know I just I, I hope more people start doing it just because um, you know. The bottom line is, is that, you know, people like winning things, <laughs> just the bottom yeah. line, you know, so it's like, you know, and, and if you can, I, I, I was, the funny story is, and I don't, I might, my facts might be a little bit wrong, but it's, it's close enough, but um, the, in the JV, in our girls JV championship tournament or whatever they called it at the end of the season this last year, it was Wyzetta versus, I, I want to say Benilde or Eden Prairie, it doesn't make a difference, but uh, uh, they had, they invited Benilde as the, the second last team, but um, it went into like it went into a shootout. It went into like a sixteen-person shootout. No way. And they and the and there was people like people came from the other two rinks that put pick. And there, it was, I mean, there wasn't a million people there, but it was <laughs> a lot. For, and, they, and when the girl scored, it was like she won the Stanley Cup. It was so cool. So um, that, that's the kind of things we need to con- continue to you know have in the game and um, keep it because, fun. Yeah, we'll keep it fun and 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 uh, you know maintain as many players as we can for as long as you. You know, I hate to be the person that makes people not want to play men's hockey league in 25 years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, got some fun questions here for you. How do you uh, react to uh, if you've if you've ever listened to our high school hockey podcast? A, a week doesn't go by where we don't rip on Pat O'Leary and Wyzetta for being a defensive-minded team. How do you react to that? You just get torched on our show, you poor guy. I love it. Well, it, here's the funny. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about that, and, and is is that's I can't, here's what I'll say, just so I can get this. Let's open get it. To Let's set the here. record straight, right? First of all, we don't play like that. So if you ever watch how uh, we play our practice, like we don't throw the puck off the glass, we don't dump and chase, we don't. I mean, I just, I don't even know how to coach that. I never played that way. I never did it. But this all started when our team started. We started blocking shots in the state tournament. It became a big story, and it was totally awesome, and so on and so forth. And then it just kind of it's been it's. You know, I, I trust me. I read the stuff all the time about you know we're the hardest out in the state because we just we're, we're, we don't let anybody come near our goal. It's like, trust me. <laughs> I wish they'd listen to me when I when I say that. That's not you know, no. But to be very honest with you, like we're we're all about puck possession, taking care of the puck, and we play it. We play four lines a lot, which people disagree with and whatever it is. And but we also we teach our guys three, all three zones, and that's just what we're gonna do. And we always have done that. And you know maybe in high school hockey, you know, when you t- t- teach so much about the defensive zone, people think you, you know, play defensive hockey, but so that I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I've always wanted to get that off my chest. I, I, it's like, trust me, we, we play, 
you don't think I want some guy scoring 30 goals for me? Trust me, I do. Yeah, no, I think it's just kind of funny. I'm like, you know, well, like fine. we joke about it. Like, like there'll be a night yeah. where you guys will hang seven on somebody. Like, you know, like Saturday you'll beat someone seven to two or whatever, and then we'll get on the podcast on Sunday. Like, can you believe it? Why is that a scored seven whole goals? You know, yeah. it's this, oh, yeah. this. There's just this like stereotype about you as being super defensive, and and I I wouldn't think it's the worst stereotype in the world, but there is a little bit of. Uh, of a stereotype where people, oh, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to get my 30 goals that I'm used to getting, right? Yeah. And that, you know what? And, it's, and that's not and it's not false. I don't disagree with you on that. And uh, um, and it's it, 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 we've had some really good players come through, obviously, and stuff like that. And, you know, I just – I still stick to my heart that I think that our – the way we teach the game and, and the, you know, all about the playing time and, the you know, all this stuff and everything that we do – has really kind of, it's, I think it's done a good job of some of our guys that are going to play college now. Like they're stepping right into roles and, and they understand what they're supposed to do. So it's, yeah. Well not coached. Gonna, yeah, it's, 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 it is what we do. All right. Like we, we, we're coming up on an hour now and I don't, like we got to really spend some time on 2016 because it's, uh, it's kind of your coming of age uh, in, in your coaching career. I'm sure you've had great moments, but none greater than 2016. Uh, the, the quarterfinals and semifinals were, were very Wyzetta like. You won two to one over Stillwater in the semifinals, and I'm still looking at my notes here for what happened in the quarters. Uh, Burnsville, three to one. See what I'm saying? Three to one, two to one. You see where we're going here, right? I get it. So uh, you make it, you beat Stillwater 2 1, which is a really good win, by the way. Was that the Griffin Ness breakaway goal? Yeah. Yep. And he was a fourth yeah. liner, right? Yeah, he's right up over the glove. Yeah. So you, you, at this point now, the Centennial game is rear view mirror at this point. You're now staring Casey Middlestat in the eye for a state title. Walk through your staff's preparation for that championship game. What was the strategy going in? Well, I mean, it started weeks before that, to be honest with you, um, when we played them the time two times before that. Um, you probably played them in about a week apart, usually, right? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Someone told me the number one time where, with that, including that championship game, I think we had played them within like 21 days or something, three times. I don't know what the number. I wouldn't a very doubt short it. Period of time. Yeah. yeah so. But anyways, yeah, I mean, it just started in those two games and, uh, it was, uh, just, we had a, we had a person on our team. <laughs> I know who that, it is. We're going to get to yeah, him. That knew that, um, just was the most, the, he's the brightest, like just hockey concepts of knowing what's going on, like in between, you know, like who's coming up next and like, what are the matchups are and, you know, so on and so forth. Cause he, he basically just. You know, he just t- he knew what Casey was doing, and he you know took advantage of that, and um, uh, just knowing when he was supposed to be out there against him, which which was huge. So, and that started the, the the two games before that. It really did with just seeing if we could actually do that. If you know if Hank could handle you know that much ice time and with playing the way that he played, and um, you know we wore him out in those last four or five late conference games, but he bounced right back the next week and did it. And so I think we right then thought that with this kind of recipe that you know we could do it. So you brought up Hank Sorensen. So so Hank is you know he comes off as a surfer guy, like you said. You know, he has that kind of that mentality, but at the same time, he's got a really high hockey IQ, and he knows he's known Casey Middlestat since they were probably eight years old. So he knew exactly what to do, knew exactly where to go. Uh, were you comfortable with handing him the keys to your team at that point? 
But he, the only, the only keys that he had was that he knew that. <laughs> the only key that he had was he, he looked over when he saw, uh, you know, Middlestep's number that he, uh, I joke all the time. There was a few times, um, in the game at Eden Prairie, obviously we're the away team. So we assume that if we ever, if we were going to play them again, we were going to be the away seed. Um, the amount of time, I don't even know who the rest were at that time, but they probably will never forget that game too. But he, he, uh, he literally just stood on the ice next to our bench pretty much the whole entire game and until the ref kicked him off. And if Casey jumped out, he'd go onto the ice. If, uh, <laughs> if really, if, 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 if that's how smart he was. And I just said, okay, you know what I mean? And, you know, allowed me to work with the other guys and, and, and kind of get other matchups going and stuff like that. So, but yeah, he just, he basically just, he just, I'll never forget those eyes and snaring over at, uh, Eden Prairie and it's not too far away on that, in that ring. No, no. Benches over there. So he was, he just look at them and if Casey walked and skated out to draw, he'd go line up. If he didn't, he didn't. It was funny to watch those two uh, chess matches they had. It was really cool. And it's easy. I, I followed Casey all three years. I mean, I hate to say it. I probably saw 10, 12 games a year of the kid. And it, yeah. it wasn't very hard to figure out his rotation. For me, it's just yeah. as the guy was standing there with the camera, you know, Hank's just probably a lot smarter than I am. I mean, you can figure it out. Like, yeah, this it's been it's been a minute and eight seconds. He's going back out. You know, it was the yeah. only time where he was questionable if he wasn't going out. If it was like thirty seconds, so I'm like, ah, he's not coming back out. He's, they're going to give him another blow here, right? But yeah, well, the thing that, the thing that was cool for and this is funny. This is like because obviously, obviously I watch the state tournament games now, and everyone's always like, oh my god, like you know all these TV timeouts and all this extra time. It's like we. We love that. Now, people, it sounds like a devil's advocate because that oh, that allowed Casey and their top players to to rest, right? Well, we looked at it the same way. That allowed us to rest our guys, and also we knew you knew after we knew after every single fi- everyone um, everyone that he was going to be out. So it was it was perfect. Made it easier for you, didn't it? You didn't have to well, guess. I just said, "Hank, grab some water." You know, you're going out after this thirty second timeout. Period. It was ninety nine percent. He was coming back out. 99%. Yeah, it's funny you should bring that up. So now you get to the championship game, and I think the real hero in this championship game and is pretty uh, pretty unsung was the goaltender, Alex Schilling. What, what is that? What is that? What does he mean to you in your program? I mean, he was unbelievable in that game. Yeah, well, it's you, sometimes when you find out where these kids end up in their lives, and that, and that could be right after college or when they're 50 years old, their character always kind of tells you where it is. He's at the Air Force right now, so it's yep. just – and I didn't, I, I'm not saying I didn't know that about him. Like that was what he was, type of guy he was. Cause obviously I knew him very well, but I didn't know he was going to go that route. And I think just showed like, that's the type of, you know, the guy he was, but no, his senior season was, you know, off the charts. He had a, he had a, you know, middle of the season where, which I think a lot of people have, where you don't think he could stop a beach ball, but, um, but he, <laughs> he was stopped a lot of beach balls in that, you know, that weekend series. And, um, it was awesome. So he was, he was, he was the heart and soul of our team. Um, just more of the, you know, just what you want as a goalie. Just went about his business, quiet, um, didn't talk a lot in the locker room, was a very good team guy. The guys all loved him, and they loved playing for him. So that's uh, that's a recipe for success for sure. You know what's funny about this whole discussion, talking about this year, and it kind of gets left out, but I got a lot of trouble too for this tweet, um, was Benil losing over at over at uh, Bloomington that afternoon. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? You were there. I, you, uh, you had to be there. You were scouting no, it, right? I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you where I was. I was on the bus over there to play our game when all of a sudden I hear all this rumblings in the back of the bus, and my assistant coach looks over me and shows me the camera, his phone, and I'm like, oh, Lord. So I, I, I'm, you can ask the players on this, but I, uh, when we stopped the bus, I, we were at a stoplight, and I had him turn the light. It, it might not even have been dark out, but I had him 
engage everybody because they're all resting or whatever. And I just said, I know what you're all doing right now. I know you see the tweet that just came out, you know, and then I just kind of went into the whole thing about how we got our own game and, you know, so on and so forth because, you know, kids, like, you know, just, you just, you're, you're always looking to the next game. And so it's like, well, now we have a shoe into the whatever, you know, and it's like, okay. So, so that, that, that's real. I mean, that, you know, so it's, uh, but yeah, that was crazy. And getting our guys refocused as we, you know, cause those guys are still there leaving, you know, from the yeah. it always happens that we cross paths. And so it's just like, you know, and I, to, to this day, I still tell people that the hardest part about coaching, I don't care what level you're at or is just the, keeping kids focused, focused. and minds minds right because it's just the, the the world of social media and and you know stuff at their hands at all times is just uh it boggles their brains i not sorry for putting any additional pressure i wrote something effective why zeta has <laughs> never had an easier route to the state tournament in their history because they had you had Edina, who was basic. No offense to Edina, that was a dumpster fire. They were had that was they finished their season really poorly. They were barely lucky to get out of the quarters. You know what I mean? This this was not the best Edina team that you were going to face. So this was you, you're good there, and now you're going to play Edina then Creighton, and it turned out to be true. And then you won the state title on top of it. So that Benil yeah, team, do you remember how good they were? Did you play them that? Yeah, you did. You played them over at Plymouth, didn't you? Yeah, it's it, story about that. So uh, the that game was on TV, like like cable was, TV. It was either second last of the game of the year, or yeah. third last of the game of the year, and uh, yeah, the, in, in Nas, uh, I think it was Nas. I'm trying to think number was it Nas number eight? I think, I'm trying to think what their their top forward was. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter. But the point of the story is that um, I'll never forget this play. I watch it all the time on videos, but they. Uh, we, we were we were in the power play and, and a shot got blocked going through and he actually picked it up and was skating towards his bench and instead of icing it he tried to take it down the ice and send and buried him like like a good clean check and broke his collarbone or something did something to his arm yeah and then it, and that was kind of the deal and he you know I think he played in the he tried to play in the tournament or whatever but couldn't right maybe it was, was it Gleekel was it Gleekel maybe maybe it was yeah it could have been Gleekel yeah I don't know it was I can't remember there had so many good guys at that time but uh um, but yeah, that kind of just, it was one of those things where it kind of like threw him, <laughs> threw him for a little bit of a, you know, a loop with just trying to change up their eye. I mean, imagine losing your, one of your top two or three players, you know, especially in high school. It's crazy. Yeah, I realized it was just a, it was a weird moment. Like, gosh, I've never seen Noizetta just the, the epitome of the favorite right now. And, and you guys took care of business, took care of Edina <laughs> that night and you took care of, uh, Creighton the, a uh, couple days later and, and the rest is history. Yeah. So let's go fast forward because another great game. I think this is one of your best coaching jobs. I mean, Grad, you want to state title, but you're one of your best coaching jobs, best wins, and it doesn't really even show up that much on on the on the grid. But is beating Edina in 2017 in one of the funnest Mariucci games that I've ever seen. The Waz, I can't even pronounce the guy's name. Reed Wazenko, <laughs> is that how we pronounce it? It's, it's just I call him Waz, right? It's, Wa- it's Washenko. His name's Wazzy. <laughs> just Wazzy. had a game. I think he even had a save where his like if they if it were on TV, it probably wouldn't call it a goal. The puck was he caught it in the net and they they pulled it back and the and the goal judge. Do you remember that whole discussion? It was like over his shoulder. Or yes, something and it was like rolling or something. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was down. It was in the third period. Like everything went your way early on. You got a cheap kind of goal. I think, I think it was Ness again, got kind of an early goal that that yep. wasn't supposed to be. And it just, everything went your way. What do you, re- rec- what was your recollection that you're going back to the state tournament that night? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the long story short, there was our goals were basically just pucks on our sticks and guys and they just I mean, right in front of the net, you know. And it's, so that was that's how we scored. And and Wuzzy had, you know, um, that's another one of those things where Wuzzy then played with these guys, whether it's with the machine or right. you know, all that stuff with 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 Shear and all those guys. They're buddy. They've been playing with each other like for years, like, and so he. They knew to shoot. They knew they could beat him over his glove. They always tried to shoot over his glove. So we talked about that all the time. And he finally figured out the last time we played him at Braemar. Um, they they just trying to go over his glove every single time. And the reason I bring that up is that guy made about six hundred forty-seven glove saves in that in that section final. So <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it was but, insane. But, you know, yeah, it was cool. And he, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, just thinking about like. You, you get a little bit of like, you know, once you do something, you want to do it again, you know? And, and for me personally, what I, and this is what I tell my guys now is like, you know, having the ability to be a coach of a, a championship team, being there three times has been great. And it's, I've been very fortunate. Um, but the, the ability for the families and the kids to experience that is just second to none. I mean, it's like, it's just cool. So that's like, it's, <laughs> for the, and, and the reason I bring that up is because of that group. They won seven and battled all. We were pretty good, you know, I yeah. mean, bat, won, won seven games. It was crazy. I mean, we, and uh, it's just, things came together at the right time. And, and it was like, I mean, it was crazy all that, how jubilant they were. And um, it was cool. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. All right. Uh, a couple more questions to wrap it up here. If you could change one thing about high school hockey in Minnesota, what would you do? Uh, I mean, I think one thing that we've done a better job of is I think is, is uh, the availability of people to cover our games, yep. um, which is really great. That's awesome. That's been, that's been happening, which is good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have said this, you know, 10 years ago because I'm the, you know, the YZ coach, you know, the big school and stuff like that, but nobody feels bad for us. Like I said before, you shouldn't, but, yeah. uh, they got to do something with the, the section tournaments. Um, and that's just my personal opinion on it. Um, they figured it out in football. I mean, there's no reason they can't figure it out in hockey. Um, and I see, and I know both sides of why they're, why they're doing, why they don't. Um, but, uh, you know, if we want our, if we want our product to continue to, to flourish and which it's very high level right now, we're putting a lot of kids to the next level and it's a great product. We need, we need to get, we need to have um, opportunity for either more kids to play in the state tournament or, um, you know, more of the, the deep teams to be able to make it, meaning like, you know, even the sections up a little bit more. Um, I just, that's just my gut on it. And I, like I said, I wouldn't have said that a long time ago, but we've been there. So it doesn't, <laughs> I mean, right. it's just whatever. I mean, we battled through it and had, I know you, you can always both sides of the story. It's like, we still got to win three games. It's like, well, we played Edina in the first round of the quarterfinals this, that, this last year. That's a tough quarterfinal matchup for anybody. So it's like, you know, it's uh yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I'm not making excuses about it, but I think there's, can definitely be something done where they uh, figure that out. And uh, because I think what it will do for the positive side about it is, is that is it'll help out the smaller schools. I personally think it's just like whether, whether you regulate with single A or double A, uh, I don't think they'll go to three A's, but maybe that's an opportunity. Um, and it just, cause I, my, what I love more than anything is seeing the greenways and the, you know, the, those teams come down and, and be able to play. Um, we need to keep that going. Um, yeah. And it just, it just doesn't happen. I don't think it happens enough in this structure that we have right now. All right, let me give, give me a let me give you a scenario. And this I'm literally doing this on the fly. So the three A, you when the minute you say three A's, like three tournaments, 
I think 90% of the state gets their barf bucket out. They're like, no, 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 no. But but let me – I always paint this picture that if you had one state championship game and you've you've been in this building, you know what I'm talking about. There's there's a gap there between the A game and the double A game that the third-place game could be moved to Tria or Mariucci. You could have – give a team a state – one state tournament championship game at Excel Energy Center play the rest off-site, right? Oh, for sure. I tell people, I'm like, just – Let's just think about it. Wouldn't it be cool if North Branch could play in a state final game against against uh, Lake of the Woods? That would be really neat. I think people would watch that on TV. That would be fascinating. I don't think it would ruin the game, right? Yeah. The, then yeah. go back to what – so I got that. That's my third A over here. And then I go back to the big double A or that would be the triple A then. And you would – I love what you're saying about making this a better product, right? The product meaning that, you know, the, I, I'm ripping – my son played for Jefferson. But that the, the 3A section where it was Jefferson, Burnsville, Rosemount, St. Thomas Academy is not half as strong as Wyzetta, Benil, Edina, and, you know, those – that section. It's just not balanced, and let's not kid ourselves. But let me finish – and still keeping the two northern teams in the state tournament because we need Moorhead, we need Grand Rapids, we need Duluth, we need uh, those northern teams in the state tournament. You agree with that? Well, I, here's my perspective, and I've had conversations with these guys before. Is is you know it's the same. A lot of the way how they've started aligning the elite league, you know, and stuff like that is, is basically because what it does is it keeps those guys excited because they guarantee if you had a if you had a two up north if you split the state in half like yep. from Elk River straight up to, you know, wherever, Bada, and then you go both sides there. It's like yep. you, you're, you're telling me that the fans and the coaches and the youth programs and everyone, let's put it that way, wouldn't be happy if they could guaranteed that a northern, a, a northeastern city and a northwestern. northwestern city are in the state tournament every single year. They're guaranteed that. I mean, that'd be sweet. I would love then it. You put, then, you, then you took the other six out of the metro area and south. Yeah, and balance the other six. I mean, we've we've tried it at the youth a couple different times, and it's been pretty successful. <laughs> and we had a three year run where we had exactly what we just talked about, where we we put the the a, the single A teams down, they did their thing, and then the double A's teams uh, split it up, bracketed out, evened it out. It was a really good three years of hockey, and then it got the best eight teams into the state tournament, and you had your two northern teams, and that that's kind of the dream, isn't it? Well, and, and, and to be honest with you, and I, people ask me this all the time, and it's, it's like the, to get the, the the best eight teams in the state um, would be almost impossible. But how cool would it be to see like six of the top twelve every single year? Yes, that's all we're you asking, I mean? like, right? Yeah, because the other two are going to be good too. Trust me, you know what I mean. But it's like it's so you know that's that's just my two cents on the whole thing. <laughs> um, so one last thing, and I, and I want to make sure that this gets in your podcast because I, I I don't think it's something that's super public. Um, your involvement in the youth program, and again, that goes back to the whole Breck Blake Providence thing. It's part of the strategy, but I don't think this is strategy. When I talked to Taylor Williamson, she brought it up, I think, on our podcast about your youth nights, and I just want to make sure that this is something like, yeah, Pat's not just waiting for the the eighteen best kids to show up uh, on November fifteenth. This is the, there's a lot of work that grows into this. Walk me through your, your Monday nights. Who's involved? How does it work? When does it start? When does it end? Yeah. So basically, um, we, God, I don't know if it was my first year or second year. I just brought to the PD committee and I was just like, Hey, here's my thought process. We have three ranks here at Plymouth. They're, they're beautiful. They're well ran. We got everything we need. 
you know, let's, can we figure out if we put, and I would love our staff. So, you know, to run skills nights, um, on all three rinks starting at five 30 and goes till 10 30. So we see so many teams. We see almost every, every kid, every single week. Right. The reason we did it, the, the reason we did it, the main two reasons why I, I kind of designed it was one to allow our high school coaches and players to interact with the youth program. That's, that was number one. But number two is we are using it to teach our coaches how to coach. Skills. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like gives that, cause we all know, like we've all coached and it's just like, man, you get to after January 1st and it's like, I don't even know what to do anymore with these kids. You know, you know, so it's like, so we, we teach them drills and concepts and we kind of re- reiterate to them. Like, no, you're doing a great job. You should be skating these kids 15 minutes at the beginning of practice. You don't need to play games all the time. And, um, cause people need to hear that, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, that was it. And then we started doing it. And, um, then I started involving my players a little bit more where I'd have like, it was part of their community service and their stuff for school. And, uh, I mean, God, who doesn't want to do that for school? You know, they right. come out and play hockey, but, uh, so it's killed two birds with one stones and, uh, and one stone. And, uh, it's been awesome. So we have like four, we basically have three or four hockey players in each rank and girls players too. And, uh, they just interact with the kids and the coaches and have fun with them and teach them the game. And, um, the kid, the coaches are there to help and learn, but we run it. So the kids, you know, a lot of these, you know, what I've seen lately is these, these kids come back from the, you know, five team, five game tournaments, you know, in Duluth. And all, all they want to do on Monday is maybe just, you know, to do a few breakaways or something or some skating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're all, you know, so we, we kind of come in with a different voice and, and our coaches have been on them all weekend, you know, about discipline and playing hard and everything like that. So they can kind of just watch and take a break, take, give them a break too mentally. Yeah. Fast forward 20 years from now. Well, let's watch this vision. 20 oh years from now, I'm doing a podcast with some young coach and I'll say, well, how'd you get into it? And he goes, well, my high school coach, Pat O'Leary, made us do these youth nights. And I really had a passion, found my fas- passion for coaching kids. So there's a third bird, the third stone right there that you're accomplishing. You're maybe fostering some other future coaches in, in the in the hockey world. Can you see that? Well, well, I'll tell you two things before I let you go on that is one that's happened now. So my new assistant coach that's on my team or this year, my defensive coach named Miles Geef was, uh, was my first. Is that how you I pronounce like, his name? I, yeah. I want to say death every time I see it. No, it's death. So everyone does. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, so he, he, and he coaches our, he coaches our PBAA yep. team as well. He did. He, 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 he reminded us like three times it's death. I'm like, okay, it looks like yeah. death. Sorry. <laughs> and his assistants are ex Trojans as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's so that's happening already. And then on the second part about it is, is you know, it's uh, it's uh, just uh, I can see. I, I hope that happens. How about that for an answer? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, just because it's uh, it kind of gets it back to why we, you know, we love this game. It's just fun and it's uh, fast paced fun at all times. One more thing before we wrap that the youth night thing. This is both boys and girls, correct? I mean, because the girls coaches yep. are out there and everybody, right? It's like it's like it's a utopia, right? So hockey, why, why is that a hockey utopia? And, I, and the reason I want to talk about it because it's very important for other associations to hear what you're doing. It's like this isn't just oh yeah, we have the most people in our youth system and that's why we're successful. No, you're successful because yep. you're doing you're doing A plus B equals C kind of stuff, right? Well, I'll tell you what, and it's 100 percent accurate. And and to to, to to let everyone know that I'm not all about YZ. <laughs> I've, right. uh, I've, I've helped the association set it up too, to be honest with you. So, um, in over the last three or four years, I've just gotten calls on it and people have heard about it, whether it's the story was written or so, I don't even know, whatever. And, uh, and guys that I know through the hockey world are just like, man, I want to start something at Eden Prairie or, 
Champlin or wherever. And I'm, and so I just, I help them with the template and explain to them how it goes and kind of tell them what you need to know. And obviously they got to take it from there, but, uh, so yeah, I know, I know more people are doing it and that's really cool. Well, this has been a really cool hour and 15 minutes with you, Pat. We could probably go on and on and talk for more. I appreciate your time today on the show. Uh, as part of today's show, you'll get a gift from the Minnesotan. Uh, and thanks to our, again, for the Minnesotan for their sponsor of today's show. Make sure to shop, stop in and check it out. My good friend John King says it's the best store in the world. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you around the rink soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.